Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Uh, today we're going to look at Matthew 7. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with, you th- and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the, speak, the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. I'm just going to pray for Steve before he comes to speak. Father, we thank you for the day and we thank you for a gorgeous um, winter's evening. Um, We thank you for your living word um, and particularly Jesus's word that we're going to have a look at today. As Steve comes to speak, I pray that you, Father, would help them to make the meaning of this passage clear to us. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower Steve to teach and to speak with boldness, humility and grace. I also pray that you'll soften the hearts of us who are listening today. And we ask that you move in our hearts and our lives. I pray all this through your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Great. Uh, Lovely to be with you. And uh, I have a standing desk, so I am now standing. So I hope that that has extra power or something in my preaching. (laughs) And it's great that we can partner with assets. So thank you, Olivia, for bringing that uh, to us. We currently live in a confused society when it comes to the topic of judging others. On the one hand, you have the idea that morality and truth are private to the individual. No one should tell anyone else what to do or what to think. No one has the right to comment on my behavior or my beliefs. Very popular view, isn't it? Sadly, this view is held by many today because of their experience of religion, which was coercive and oppressive. They were forced to believe and behave in a certain way without explanation or grace and guilt and judgment were used to ensure everyone fell into line. As a result, you know, 30, 40, 50 years later, truth and morality are privatized. Everyone decides what they want. However, as the pendulum has swung, our culture has not ended up in a better place because we now see that opposite views are demonized. We see a fanaticism in our culture about which position or group is absolutely right. And there is nothing ambiguous and divergent views are to be destroyed. So we, even here in Dublin Island, have felt the heat of this with the recent US presidential elections and how nasty it all got. But it crops up all the time. Are you for or against mask wearing? 
Are you for or against the Black Lives Matter movement? Are you for or against the government's response to COVID? Which side did you vote in the recent referenda in Ireland on same-sex marriage and the changing the abortion laws? It's, it's aggressive, isn't it? You feel it. Oh. Instead of a gracious debate, opposite views are exaggerated to legitimize one's hatred of them. There is no allowance for ambiguity or tension or things to be more complex than yes or no. You're either for or you're against. Make up your mind, find your tribe and fight against the other. And on top of that, we have the trend, particularly in universities, of no platforming speakers, which fits into a wider cancel culture, which has emerged. So in the past few months, Richard Dawkins, of all people, was disinvited by the Debating Society of Trinity College Dublin. This happened two months ago because he was supposedly going to make members of the society uncomfortable because of his views on Islam. You know a culture is confused when Richard Dawkins is being no platformed and cancelled. But to no platform a speaker merely means that the correct position has been decided in advance and there's no opportunity for public debate. Do you see the confusion? On the one hand, no one should judge anyone else. Everyone has the right to believe or behave however they want. How dare you tell anyone else what to think or do? And yet you also see that if you believe or, or think, or so if you believe or behave in a way that's different from the majority or different from the other side, you're demonized, you're shamed, you're canceled, you're no platform. Our culture is very confused right now when it comes to evaluating other people's beliefs and practices. Is there a better way? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. We come to the greatest moral teacher of all time, teaching the greatest sermon that's ever been preached to find wisdom we need when it comes to the topic of judging and evaluating others. Jesus is going to avoid all the extremes of modern society and offer us a third way, an alternative way, the way of the kingdom. We're not to judge anyone, but we're still able to discern truth from error and right from wrong. And as ever, Jesus is most interested in our hearts. Once our hearts are in the right place, everything else follows. So we're going to learn four things. The Christian is not to judge. We're called to humility in verses one and two. The Christian is not to be a hypocrite. We're called to self-examination, verses three to five. The Christian is to be a brother or sister. We're called to speak the truth in love. And the Christian is to be discerning. We're called to prayer. So the Christian is not to be a judge. To be a judge, we're called to humility. Let's read the verses again. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be used to you. Now, let's start with what this does not mean. It cannot mean that we're to suspend all critical faculties in relation to other people, to just turn a blind eye to their faults, pretending we haven't noticed them, to avoid all criticism and to refuse to, you know, to, to never disagree with someone. How do I know that? Well, in a moment, Jesus is going to make evaluations between pearls and pigs, between what is what are dogs and what is sacred. And in the next passage, which Matthew will take us through in the next couple of weeks, we're going to turn between true and false prophets and how to recognize them. 
So when Jesus says, do not judge, he does not mean, do not think, do not disagree, do not evaluate. He cannot mean that because he's doing that in the passages. So what does he mean? To not judge another person is to not put yourself in the final position as judge in their lives and therefore condemn them. As if you have complete objectivity to make the final verdict on their life. So to do, to do not judge is, to, is in a way to say, do not be their God. You're not God. As if you know every motivation of the heart and every mitigating factor. Our opinions are at best provisional. Put differently, do not judge means do not be censorious. Now, it's an old fashioned word. So let me quote John Stotts, who explains it. Censoriousness is a compound sin consisting of several unpleasant ingredients. It does not mean uh, to assess, uh, it does not mean to assess people critically, but to judge them harshly. The censorious critic is a fault finder who is negative and destructive towards people and enjoys actively seeking out their failings. He puts the worst possible construction on their motives, pours cold water on their schemes, and is ungenerous towards their mistakes. So someone who's censorious is quick to blame, hasty in making judgments, and has a disposition to magnify the errors of others. To be censorious is, you know, here's the way I think about it, is not just to have a misgiving about someone once, is for that misgiving to determine your view of them and their character forever. There's no second chances. There's no mercy. There's no opportunity for change. There's no charity offered them. And you remain detached from that person. And you feel justified because you're superior to them because now you've put them in a box forever because of maybe a mistake or an error or a belief that they held. Do you see? Jesus says you mustn't assume the authority to be judged in someone's life and as arrogantly anticipate the day of judgment and play God. No, God is the only one that has the final judgment. God is the only one that knows the secrets of the heart. God is the only one that sees all the factors that determine one's belief and practices. So God is the only one that gets the final say as judge. And so the warning comes to us. It's a, I, I, it's a terrifying warning. It should, be a, it, is a, it should be a terrifying warning. As you judge others, God is going to judge you. But the same measure you use towards others is the measure God's going to use to you. The same strictness used towards others is the strictness used towards God will use towards you. Now, if, you, if your heart is anything like mine, that is terrifying. And Jesus means it to me. He wants to shake us out of a superior spirit. Stock concludes like this. To sum up the command to judge not is not a requirement to be blind, but rather a plea to be generous. Jesus does not tell us to, to um, cease to be people by suspending our critical powers, which help to distinguish us from animals, but to renounce the presumptuous ambition to be God by setting ourselves up as judges. So we're called to be humble. And to make sure our hearts are right before God and before our neighbor, we're not superior to them. Even if we disagree with them, even if we think what they believe is wrong or what they're doing is wrong, we are not somehow better than them and only God can judge. Secondly, the Christian is not to be a hypocrite. We're called to self-examination. It's the speck and the sawdust parable that we know. When it comes to making evaluations about others, Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't try and straighten out something in someone else's life that is currently bent in your own life. Now, there's a few things more frustrating than getting an eye, uh, uh, something in your eye. You know, you get something in your eye and you can't get it out. And the thing is, you can't see it, can you? 
You can only feel it, but you can't actually see it because it's in your eye. So you need someone else often, and you know, particularly with kids, they're sort of putting their eyes out. So you know, so so you can go in, and when when Jacob and I went on a camping trip, he got loads of grass in his eyes from his friend that sort of was playing the game, and, and it took ages to pick all these bits of grass out of his eyes, and he could feel it, but he couldn't see it. Imagine if the person that that comes. Uh, you know, uh, and, and tries to pick out those bits of grass, has a massive plank in their own eye. You go, no, no, don't come anywhere near me. You won't be able to see either. You can't see. I need you to be really accurate with your picking out of the grass. And you've got an enormous plank in your eye. Your vision is obscure. And so it is with each of us, Jesus says. We have a fatal tendency to exaggerate the faults of others whilst minimizing the gravity of our own faults. We have a rosy view of ourselves and a jaundiced view of others. Isn't that true? We can be perfectionist with other people, but very tolerant with ourselves. You know, we don't even notice that there's something in us, but we can see everything wrong in everyone else. We're blind, Jesus says. And so we're not just called to humility, but self-examination, to recognize we're not just fallible. We can't see or know everything. We can't be the judge, but we're also fallen. We too have sin in our lives and regularly stumble. And so we're to self-examine. What are the issues in our lives? Where have I gone wrong? Where have I strayed? And it's not just self-examination of our actions and our beliefs, but our attitudes, our tone, our mood, our spirit, our manner, our motive. Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite when you evaluate other people. But self-examination actually is not sufficient. Jesus' whole point here in the parable is that we're blind. We can't see what's wrong in us. We can see what's wrong in everyone else, but we can't see what's wrong in us. And so if that's the case, we need to invite other people to evaluate us and ask them to give us feedback. And to tell us where there might be issues that we can't see that, you know, there's something probably enormous in our own life and we're just too proud or too blind to see it. We need other people who can speak into our lives, family, friends, Christian brothers and sisters to invite feedback so you get a more realistic view of yourself. We need that accountability. Have you invited others to give you that evaluation of your life? It's one of the things I've most needed help in as a Christian. And as a pastor, I need people to speak into my life and tell me where I've gone wrong, where my attitude or manner or motive or spirit was not right, where I've spoken harshly or acted rashly. Often I cannot see it. Throughout my life, I've been so grateful for the friends, mentors, family and fellow Christians who have helped me see something that I couldn't see in my own life. Just this week in our staff meeting, Matthew and Vanessa both gave me some great feedback. I hadn't even seen it. And I was so grateful. We need to invite others in to give us that feedback. That's part of our self-examination. Thirdly, the Christian is to be a brother or sister. Look at verse five again, you hypocrites. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
Jesus's main point is that we're not to judge others and we're not to be blind of the areas in our own lives where we need to self-examine and deal with the sin in our own lives first. So we're not hypocrites. Okay, that's his main point. But he does expect us to help people with the splinters in their lives when we've sorted the planks out in our own lives. In other words, we do have a responsibility towards our brothers and sisters to remove the specks after we have been humble. And have self-examined we are to bring correction we are to bring rebuke so for example a few chapters later in matthew's gospel jesus says this if your brother or sister sins go and point out their fault just between the two of you if they listen to you you've won them over and then he outlines the process of church discipline take one or two others if they don't listen to you and if they don't listen go and take the wider church and you know give them a there's a progression of how we point out the faults So to disagree with someone or to warn them or to rebuke them or to correct them does not necessarily mean that you're judging them. Rather, it can mean that you're acting as a brother or sister with their best interests at heart. So Jesus expects us to challenge and to bring correction and rebuke into each other's lives when there is a fault in someone else's life. But notice the order. Firstly, you exercise humility. I'm not superior to this person I'm giving feedback to. Secondly, have I done self-examination and realized all the junk in my own life before I try? You know, have I straightened out in my own life what I'm trying to straighten out in theirs? And once we've done that, we'll then be able to approach that person in the right manner and with the right motive and with the right piece of advice. There will not be a whiff of self-righteousness or condemnation. We will be not exaggerating their faults or bolstering our self-esteem. We'll not be acting out of self-righteousness. We will in no way be superior. We'll come across as a fellow struggler. We're not to judge. We're not to be hypocrites, but we are to be brothers and sisters. and, And we are to try and help. We do not remain objective and detached. We enter in and help and walk alongside. So verse 12 sums it all up, doesn't it? Verse 12 is the verse. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. We have to bring correction to people's lives in the way we would want people to bring correction to us. I want people to bring correction into my life, but I want them to do it for the right reasons in the right way and sharing in the fact that they too are a fellow struggler and fellow sinner. We need to be critical of ourselves. We need to be as critical of ourselves as we are towards others and as generous to others as we are to ourselves. Act towards others as you would have them act towards you. So what have we learned so far when it comes to making critical statements about others? Firstly, the Christian is not to be judged. We're not superior, even if we disagree. We're called to humility. Secondly, the Christian is not to be a hypocrite. We have to self-examine our own lives first. But we are called to be brothers and sisters, speaking the truth in love. This is the third way of the kingdom. Belief and behavior is not merely, merely privatized for everyone to do what they want, but neither are people demonized and, and, and their views exaggerated and no platform and canceled and shamed. No, but you see, Jesus has an alternative way. Now, you might be thinking that's the end of the sermon. But no, there's one more very important piece of advice that Jesus gives to end. And it can often be a very confusing piece of advice, but now we know the context, it makes complete sense. Read it with me. The Christian is to be discerning. We're called to prayer, the last six verses. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. 
If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. In the ancient world, dogs were regarded as lowly. They were not pets, they were pests. A nuisance and pigs obviously were unclean, particularly to the Jews. So even today, if I call you a pig or a dog, it's a term of abuse, isn't it? So Jesus says, whilst we're not to judge others, you mustn't also be naive. There are those that are pigs and are dogs in this world and they're up to no good and they will only cause harm. So don't go and give something sacred to a dog or throw a pearl to a pig. In other words, don't go and throw something beautiful and precious to someone who cannot appreciate what they have been given. We must be discerning. You can imagine it, can't you? A pig runs up to the pearl that they've just been thrown and they assume it's nuts or peas and they try to eat this pearl and they find it to be inedible in their mouth and they just spit it out and trample on it. And, and after like trampling on the pearl, they get so annoyed with the person because they thought they were going to get peas or something to eat that they run after and have a go at the giver and and it says here tear them to pieces they assault them do you see not only is the gift not appreciated but the giver ends up not being appreciated they trample the pearl they tear the person to pieces what is jesus getting at here he's saying you must be discerning about who you try to help as a brother or sister you must be discerning as to whether someone might be willing to be helped you must be wise in know whether someone is open to correction and feedback or if if or if they will recognize that you're trying to give them a pearl a pearl of wisdom to help them grow or are they going to trample on your feedback and instead turn on you the giver of that feedback with resentment and anger assuming you follow verse, verses one to five you might have the right motives come in the right manner and have the right piece of advice for someone else. It's a pearl, it is sacred, it's from God. But they're not ready or willing to receive it. They're too proud and hardened and nor will they receive you and it will damage your relationship. And of course, this certainly applies to trying to share the gospel with non-believers. If you've tried to share the gospel with someone who's a non-believer and they've rejected it and they clearly said they don't want to know it, don't keep shoving it down their throats. You'll only do more harm than good. They will hate you more than they should hate you. Jesus knew this better than anyone else. When he sent his disciples out into the world, he says, if you're not received, shake the dust off your feet and move on. Know when there's a pig, know when there's a pearl, and, and don't keep trying to flog it. It's useless, but it's also harmless. It's futile, but it's also unnecessarily dangerous. You might only be met with the blind rage of hardened and darkened hearts. Don't throw pearls to pigs. Don't give what is sacred to dogs. Jewish wisdom put it like this. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. You cannot force your good advice on believers or unbelievers who don't want to hear it. The wise will hear it. Mockers will hate you. So be discerning. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. Speaking personally again. I know too often the mistakes I've made in manner and motive or in action and, and, and how I've spoken according to verses one to five. I've been the judge or I've been the hypocrite or I just haven't got it right. And the Lord, my brothers and sisters have been gracious to me as I've been slow to change. But I've also tragically met too often the unwillingness of a brother or sister who's not willing to be corrected or rebuked. 
And they have no, not only spurned what I have thought was good advice that I brought with good motives and without any sense of judgment, but they have in the end not just spurned the advice, they've hated me and distanced themselves from me and the community, causing great harm and pain, not just to me and to them, but to others. We must grow in discernment, brothers and sisters. We must listen to Jesus' advice. That is why he goes on to talk about prayer, verses 7 to 11. The main way we grow in humility and self-examination and discernment is to grow in prayer. Ask, knock, seek. Come to God who has the wisdom to teach you. James 1 verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. We're to keep asking, believing that God is good and he'll answer our prayers and we'll grow in discernment as well as humility and wisdom. If you want to go and speak to a brother or sister about someone, make sure you've spent time in prayer. Don't rush in. Fools rush in. Go to your father and ask and knock and seek and be humble before him before you go and speak to your brother and sister there must be no superiority in your own life and ask him to show you the planks in your own life that need to be dealt with don't go and straighten out something in someone else's life that is bent in your own and once you've dealt with the once you're humble and once you've done self-examination ask for wisdom for the words for the manner for the timing of how to address someone and whether it is best not to speak at all because all you're going to do is throw pearls to a pig and do more damage than good we need to listen jesus says at the end the conclusion of it all so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets let's take a moment to pause and then i'll pray How has the Holy Spirit spoken to you through these verses? Is it not to be a judge and to, to, to adopt a position of humility rather than superiority? Is it not to be a hypocrite, judging everyone else but not self-examining? Is it actually to be a Christian brother or sister and have the courage to speak the truth in love instead of shirking that responsibility? Or is it the call to prayer and learning to be discerning about who to speak to and when and in what manner and how? Our Lord Jesus, more than ever, our culture and our hearts need to hear this message. That we are not to just privatize belief and practice, but nor are we to demonize and shame those that believe or act differently from us. Teach us this third way of the kingdom, where we ourselves are not superior, we cannot act as judges, where we ourselves realize that we are sinners and we need to self-examine and invite correction from others. And then teach us how to be those brothers and sisters with the wisdom and the love and the motive and the manner and the timing that is correct and that helps the other person. And teach us all the gift, give us a gift of discernment that we might mature. Make us this community, Lord, an alternative community on earth that demonstrates the kingdom to those around, that others 
would see our good deeds and want to come and glorify you, our Father in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.